Welcome to the Food Therapy Podcast, where we talk honestly and openly about mental health, diet culture, BS, and food freedom. We're your co-hosts. I'm Brittany Modell, owner of Brittany Modell Nutrition and Wellness. And I'm Lauren Sharp, owner of Empower Method Nutrition. We are food freedom registered dietitians who have struggled with mental health, poor body image, and disordered eating behaviors. We are on a mission to dismantle diet culture, normalize conversations around mental health, and empower you as you heal your relationship with food and your body. Let's get talking. Hello, and welcome back to the Food Therapy Podcast. Today, we have two very special guests, the Shrink Chicks. Welcome, guys. Hello. We're so happy to be here. Thank you for having us. Yes, we are so excited. So we're going to be chatting all things intimacy, body image. What do you do if your partner's not into your waking or not waking or just everything in between. So why don't you guys start off with just introducing yourselves a little bit and what you primarily work on. Tell us everything. So uh, my name is Jennifer Chaikin. I'm a licensed marriage and family therapist, co-owner of the therapy group and co-host of the Shrink Chicks podcast. Um, I work with a lot of life stage transitions, uh, women's issues, um, sex and sexuality, um, and, you know, just uh, anxiety, depression, and couples, we do a lot of couples therapy as well. Um, and my name is Emily Beerley. I'm a licensed marriage and family therapist, co-all that shit with Jen and with her <laughs> as well. Um, and yeah, I work with a lot of women's issues. I work with a lot of people that have gone through body image or have had weight gain and how to have sex in a fat body, how to have really good sex in a different body. And I think I do. And with that, it comes a lot of postpartum work, right? So any type of times when our bodies have changed, a lot of times we internalize a lot of shit that's going on. Whether our partner is projecting it onto us or not, we start to feel all of a sudden, where did my libido go? Wait a second. How much of that is our own internalized shit? How much of that is actually the shit that our partner is giving us? And how much is the bullshit that society does? That, love it. Love that. Amazing. So let's start off. You know, this actually has come up a lot in my client sessions where a client is buying in. They're really excited to reject diet culture. They want to heal their relationship with food in their body. And yet their partner is not on board with their body changing. And a lot of times these clients that I'm working with, they're married and all of a sudden, you know, their body has changed and they don't get that same level of approval and, you know, comfort from their partner. So what do you do? So this is when it's a lot about conversations. And one of the things I have to say is your partner is not a horrible person if they're having some of this come up, right? This does not mean somebody is bad or evil or any of this sort of dichotomous thinking we can get into. We're getting rid of that shit with, with diet culture. But what it does tell is that society has told us that we should look a certain way and that we should fuck a certain way and that we should be attracted to something a certain way. It's why we know that people in fat bodies have been fetishized because we're told, hey, actually, this is pretty sexy, but let's kind of hide it. And so one of the things that we comes up for us is like, how do we have these conversations? Because this is sometimes when our partner can do something. Well, well, yeah, but it changed. And this is how you look to well, wait a second. Everything changes in a relationship. And we, the way we talk about this is what we call as conscious and unconscious contracts. So I got into a open contract with you in my marriage. Right. And so what that meant was Jen and I are walking down the aisle together. 
And uh, and I'm like, cool, we're going to be married and we're going to be monogamous. Those are like two things that we decide on for a relationship. You know, most people before walking down the aisle don't say, well, what happens if I get fat? Well, what happens if I lose an ovary? What happens if I can't have hits? What happens when all of these things change? Because those are the unconscious contracts. And whether we admit it to ourselves or not, we go into a marriage thinking things are going to stay the same. But that is kind of crazy because it can't fucking happen, right? Mm -hmm. So if we sit here and we have this idea that you're going to look the same way or we're going to have the same beliefs, people can change everything in a period of a month to a year. And if we're talking about marriage, and especially if we're looking at people that are getting married in their late 20s and their 30s, we are totally different people. Like I said, sometimes the next month, sometimes the next year. And so when you enter in with those unconscious contracts, you have to sit down and say, I guess we have to have a different conversation here. What happens now that my body is changing? And if that doesn't work for you, does that really say more about you or about me? Now, it doesn't mean our partner's evil because they've been told a certain thing is attractive. Yep. And, and, and so often in couples therapy, we'll hear one partner say to the other, well, you're not the person I married, right? Like, and of course you're not, right? You are supposed to change. That is part of growth. That's part of evolution. And what we know is that when one thing changes in a system, that it also requires the other person to catch up or to adjust. And you might be doing all of this internal work on your body image, but your partner might not have caught up yet. And so it, it turns into, just as Emily's saying, a couple's conversation um, where it's not just about the work that you're doing. It's also about the work that you're doing in your relationship. So key. Yeah. I'm just like nodding and taking yep. this all in. <laughs> Everything you're saying is just resonating. And yeah. also nothing is guaranteed when you walk down that aisle with someone. Like who's to say like, you know, you walk across the street and you become immobile or all these other right. factors, you become sick. Like you can, nothing is guaranteed in this world. Yes. And I think, I think that, you know, our brains hold on to that as a way of feeling safe in our relationships, right? That that it's hard to, you know, walk down the aisle and say, I'm going to commit to something and, and expect it to change because our brains like for things to stay the same, mm-hmm. um, because it feels safe for us. And so, so it is, it's, it takes some time for us to catch up and for us to adjust, but it's a really important thing to remember when you're entering into a committed relationship that this is going to change and it's okay that it changes. And so as long as you grow together and not grow apart. Yeah, And I think you have to be aware of what your internal shame is around that process, right? Because Jen brings up this good point is that like, it's okay that changes, but it also may take many conversations and many, many months and weeks to make this work, right? So like, if I have this idea that I really want you to accept me and my body says, I, I weigh a hundred pounds more than when I first married my partner. Mm-hmm that's a lot of weight, right? It just is different. And that is totally okay, right? But I noticed that that was harder for me to get past in our sexuality than it actually was for him. Mm-hmm. He was like, yeah, cool. As long as you don't lose your ass, your ass and tits, right? Like when we actually spend time talking to men, like they don't really give a shit that much. But when we talk about a lot of this diet culture conversation, it's been directed towards cis women. There's a lot of these conversations because we're doing counterculture. People in the queer community, people in marginalized communities, they've already been doing after this work. We're always behind. 
because we're allowed to be. That's part of our privilege. And so when we talk about this, you and I, our Instagram algorithms are all fuck diet culture. But I know that my partner's isn't. I had to Mm -hmm. explain this to him like a child. Like I had to be like, oh, let me explain what this is. And that's not because he's stupid or bad. It's just not what his world's around, right? So if you're going to therapy and you're going to your um, anti-diet dietitian, you're doing groups and you're doing all this amazing work, you're getting inundated in it. What is your partner getting? So how do you also loop them in and also feel like you're not leaving them behind and becoming resentful or allowing distance to happen there? Yeah, that's what I was going to ask is, you know, you're doing all this work and you are, you know, it's hard, it's hard work, the body image, the healing your relationship with food, and you're starting to resent your partner one, because you don't know how to bring it up to tell them to kind of like keep up with the work too, but two, you're just resenting them because they're not working on their own self-growth. And I mean, I think the other thing is part of this goes to the fact that Men have got a shitty card here. There is so much, right? They're sitting here like, oh, who's that dum-dum who runs Twitter, Jack, whatever. That guy eats like one hour a day. Like that's an eating disorder. But sure, we'll talk about it in terms of productivity. But like that's half of these guys' gurus. Yeah. 100%. <laughs> the keto, <laughs> intermittent fasting, paleo. Mm-hmm. Yes. Men so, love keto and IF, yes. right? And, and they and they truly think they have it very convinced, like, well, it's because it's anti-inflammatory, right? And so they're not getting this other information. So we can't sit here and say, okay, so how am I not bringing my partner along, right? Lauren, you brought up this really good question. It's like, I don't know how to say it. Mm-hmm. I would say it. I'm worried that I'm going to outgrow you and mm-hmm. I love you and I want us and I want to grow together. And let me tell you about all the things I'm learning. Let me share with you. And, and I think a really important part of that is that you're bringing it into your relationship. You're not making it, it about kind of everyone else. You're saying, this is really important to me, right? And it's really important for our connection. And I want to share with you the journey that I'm going on so that we can stay on the same page or that we can grow together that even if, and and I know Lauren, you were saying that like you can build that resentment if your partner isn't doing the same work. And I think that happens in so many ways, especially when we are on our journey to, to learn and to grow that it's almost impossible for, uh, you know, us to grow at the same rate as our partners. But as long as you're sharing in that with them and saying, this is really important to me. I want to grow together. You make it about your relationship too. Mm. So cool. And what if the sharing is happening and, you know, the partner is looking at different resources and yet they still equate weight and health, right? That is something that we constantly hear over and over again. So it's like, well, I just, I'm nervous about your health. I really want you to be healthy. And there is so much working against that because not only is it a very well-known or thought of concept in our society. It's also in like the medical field as well, right? You're hearing it from providers and doctors. So I guess my question is, if your partner is still stuck on health and they're unable to move past weight gain as something that could be really positive for their partner. So there's a few things that I would say in regards to that. So one of those saying, absolutely, thank you for caring about my, this is what we call as a stroke, stroke, kick. All right, this is what we do with couples. Thank you for caring about my health. 
I'm so happy that you're concerned about me. And I'd love to share my labs with you. And you can see how actually not dieting has helped all of my labs improve, right? So there's one way. Now, you also don't have to give your partner all that. You're allowed to say like, "Ah, no fucking boundary. And you're allowed to say, so health includes also mental health. And my mental health has significantly improved with getting off of dieting and weight gain. And so actually my overall health has improved. And so that's the thing is part of this is also you can Google, right? Like we know that like Google uh, Google's confirmation bias. So if your partner wants to fully believe this, I would also encourage them to say how much is their own internalized um, fat phobia versus how much is it is actually knowledge, right? Because if I put into Google and I say elephants are the best animal, I'm going to find that 5,000 articles about elephants yep. being the best animal. And if I put in seals are the best animal, I'm inside 5,000 supporting that, right? So when we sit here and we try to make it about facts, that is already disconnection. Relationships are about relating. If I'm telling you that dieting has genuinely hurt me and now I'm away from it, can you see that? Mm-hmm. Fuck the health. Let's get away from that, right? When you're making it about numbers, it's also making it about distance because I can sit here and I can be protected by my Google article, but what I'm telling you is I'm hurting, I'm in pain, and this is helping. So can you see that from me? Mm-hmm. There's also this aspect that Brittany and I were saying we want to record a whole episode on, but this like healthism, wellness, like you have to be your healthiest self. And it's like, And we owe people our health somehow. Like it's something that we all have to be striving for. Mm -hmm. And there's so much pressure around that too, right? You see it on social media, you see it on TikTok, just where people go through their, um, here's what I eat in a day, like so problematic in so many ways, right? And so, and there's so much comparing that happens, right? Where, and it's so easy to shame yourself of, oh, well, I I didn't do that. That's that's not the way that I eat or that's not. And, And so there's so much pressure pressure around it. And I think it breeds so much shame internally. Well, and also like, what if I just want to choose to not be healthy? Right. Like, <laughs> exactly. I'm actually, okay. like, I'm gonna be honest, this planet's on fire. Like, do I really want to live to be a hundred? Like, not particularly like, I'm cool. right. like I'll take a heart out. Like that's hundred percent. And that's okay. That's okay. I don't owe shit to anyone. Yep. Right. Like, and that's the thing. And like, it also gets into this idea of like, well, as long as I'm a, a good fatty, right? As long as I am also working out, actually, like, that's not true. Like you can actually eat whatever you want, not work out ever, not go to the doctor, not do what you want, because I believe in full of bodily autonomy. That's That's your choice. And by the way, you could do all the quote unquote right things. And still that doesn't guarantee you living to 95 years old. Right. Yeah. Why do we want it? By a car. Yeah. My, <laughs> my friend, my, one of my best friends is like, I want to live to like 72. And I'm like, that's like not that old like are you sure like just 72 that sounds solid though i would say my grandfather is turning 99 this weekend and i'm like you poor man are you okay (laughs) and no he's not the answer is no (laughs) the answer is no but i guess i guess that's that question is like what is this obsession with health and wellness we see it in the therapy field too right i'm on my journey and i'm going to therapy so i'm doing the right thing why are we so obsessed with self-improvement 
right? Yeah. Like, and it's so funny because I think sometimes when we go on podcasts and people ask us and they're like, what books are you reading? And it's like never about therapy. And, and they're like, what do you do? What are highly you do? disappointed. Right. They're like, what do you do to take care of yourselves? I'm like, watch reality TV. Like, oh, right. Right. Like, I'm doing the same thing as everyone yeah. else. I'm not sitting here. Like, right. I'm not deep breathing. I'm not like, doing these things. You need to separate <laughs> yourself from all of this shit. You're only yeah. human. You can yeah. only handle so much. Right. Like being a dietitian, what do you eat every day? Right. Yeah. Or like, I can't believe you're eating that. It's like, why? Like, yeah, what, why? what is so surprising? But I think overall it is tied into this like elitism, status, thinness, yeah. health. It's crazy. The cult of wellness. It's what, it, yeah. right? This is the cult of wellness. And let's yep. be honest, this is really coming from white people, right? Like the reality <laughs> is, it's another thing we're ruining along with everything else. Um, <laughs> which is that like, right? And it's like also part of the stuff. It's like, what is this about? And Hayes was really, when you think about the health at every size, it was about, can fat people have respect? It actually wasn't about like getting rid of diet culture. It was like simply about like, how do fat people simply live and have respect? That's it. Right. And the social justice piece, like somehow like got shoved to the side and then cis white women got centered once again, per usual. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Cause we're like really good at doing that. (laughs) Like like, it is, it's natural. Okay. So kind of shifting gears a little bit. If I want to talk about the intimacy part, because this is, it shows up and it's really challenging. And as you said earlier, sometimes it's not even about the partner. It's more about the person who has experienced their body changing. And the idea of being naked in front of their partner is like, they can't even imagine it. And so how are you able to move through that and get to a place of just like body neutrality, body love, body comfort, however you want to name it. Mm -hmm. So one of the things I would say is that like, right. So people often be like, well, I, I lost my libido. I lost my sex drive. And then like, they're also masturbating. So I'm like, yeah, not entirely. Right? right. So like one of the things I always check in is like, what love are you giving to your own body? Do you believe that your larger body deserves love and pleasure? And let's be honest, we have not seen, unless you are actively seeking out fat pornography, you're not seeing it, right? Because you're definitely not seeing it in movies unless it's like a joke making fun of someone. So if my entire life, all I saw was thin people having sex, my mind is actually not able to see a large body person having sex. Mm. I also will think, exactly, I'm so in my head and this is what we... um this is when we like start to like really leave our head during sex and we're like not even like fully present anymore. Mm. Like we're not even like like active in our bodies. So the one thing I would say is like, one, how do you re-enter into your body during sex? Because it's, I can't tell you the amount of people that report body checking during sex, Mm -hmm. right? If you were body checking at all, you're not present in your body. And if you're body checking during sex, you're definitely not present during that situation or even like worrying about how things like look or how they're exactly right right? and and it keeps us from experiencing that pleasure right if we're doing that spectatoring where we're um checking our bodies we're out of the moment it's it's impossible for you to be able to experience that pleasure during sex which is so you know it's so important in order to enjoy it um And, you know, we talk a lot about this dual control model during sex where um, we have this sexual excitation system and the sexual inhibition system. And you can think about it as like the gas and the brakes and your body image very much lends itself to those brakes, right? Where 
And, and just as everything that Emily is talking about is that all of those messages play into that for you as your body is changing. So, so one of the things I would start by saying is like, have you desensitized yourself of looking at other bodies that look like you? I've worked with clients that can't even look at plus size models who look happy and healthy and steady because like it feels shameful for them, right? Like they're like, well, it's okay for them, but not for me. And so I think that's like one of these hard things that it's really easy for us to sit here and talk about rejecting diet culture when you're still in a similar sized body, right? When like some people like genuinely are not, right? That was me. Like when I really, really stopped engaging in diet culture, I was like, oh man, I've really been restricted my whole life. I didn't realize like I was supposed to be like way into my 200s. Like I didn't know this was a thing. And like, that's truly what it is for my body. And that's just it. So like one of those things that I can speak like, I think it's interesting for me to speak from like a professional and like a personal experience in some ways. Right. So professionally, like what I used to tell my clients were was like, so are you masturbating? Are you having good sex? Are you communicating? What I learned through actually being in a fat body was there are so many people that are hiding behind their vibrators, right? And let's be honest, that's good sex. I get it, right? But to truly let somebody see you is very vulnerable. And to truly see yourself is incredibly vulnerable with your body the way that it is. And so what you would say is that sex is for pleasure. It is not for pleasing. Those are different. If my sex is only based on pleasing my partner, I'm not having good sex. Mm. If my sex is about everybody having pleasure, then actually what my body looks like doesn't really matter very much. But if my partner is giving me indirect passive aggressive comments about how my body looks, if I am giving myself passive aggressive comments about how my body looks. If I am saying to myself, who would want to fuck me? If I'm saying to myself, any of these things, you don't just say that two days and think it doesn't end up in your head in the, in the bedroom two days later. Mm-hmm. It just stays with you, right? So how am I talking and looking at my body outside of the bedroom does lead into it. A lot of people, you know, people say like, okay, so buy yourself nice laundry. And I think you can do those things. If they really make you feel better, buy yourself the lingerie you fit into, buy yourself the toys you feel good into. But at the end of the day, what's it like to let yourself see yourself and be seen by your partner? Mm. Can your partner tell you different parts about your body that they like in the change? Man, I really like that. Like I have more weight on top. Like I really like that. I get to like hold you fully in like, right? Like any of these things, like tell me about the good. And if you need your partner to listen to this episode, send it over to them really passively. And let me say to you right now, if your partner has gained weight and you have not told them how fucking good they look, you need to go do it right now. Every person needs to hear that. It doesn't matter. And if you don't think it, I need you to look at yourself about what your own internalized weight stigma is. Yep. Yes. Yes. Nah. So much. Yeah. <laughs> it's yeah. I'm crazy how much all of this, not all of it, but a lot of it is like what's happening outside of the bedroom and the work that's being done. It really doesn't actually have to do with any of the work in the bedroom. So wait, so Jen and I are both like uh, LMFTs, licensed marriage and family therapists. And what that 
actually means. Like we don't just work with couples and families, we work with a ton of individuals, but what it means is that we're trained systemically and systemically trained therapists believe that everything happens within context, right? And so an example of this is if I am having a body image spiral day where I am just beating myself up and my partner comes and holds me, I actually can't feel that love and warmth. I can only feel how my body, how my boobs are touching each other, how I can feel things are different, right? Now, if I'm having a good day and it's beautiful 75 degrees out here on the East Coast and I listen to good music and I'm feeling good and I like how I'm looking and my partner comes up, I'm going to actually feel that. Mm. Nothing was different besides the context of the actual behavior. Yes. That's it. So context is everything. And sometimes the lack of sex, right? Like if sex isn't happening or what's happening is really, is really just a symptom of what's happening in the relationship or within it, within the individuals. And what happens if, and again, we, unless a partner like comes out and says like, I'm not attracted to you. Like I've heard from people, like I just can tell by the way he's looking at me differently and the way he's touching me differently. What is like the next step to even get the partner to feel like they're wanted. It's really hard to feel sexy when you're having sex and you almost feel like your, your partner is somehow like disgusted by you and isn't attracted to you. Well, I think, I think the, the communication outside, I know that it's not sexy necessarily to have communication around sex, but it's actually really important to be able to have these conversations. And the fact of the matter is these conversations are very vulnerable. Right. They're really, really, they can be really, really vulnerable, especially when you're struggling with your body image. Right. And so to be able to communicate outside of the bedroom to get those internalized thoughts outward, it can help you to connect in a different way. And I know, you know, of course I'm biased. I think to have a couples therapist there that specializes in this is also really important because it can create a level of safety in the relationship because those conversations can be very triggering. They can be very difficult for us, especially if we're really struggling with our body image. So that communication is going to be so essential outside of the bedroom. And one of the things I would also say is like, let's say that like something did happen in your life, you lose a leg and you have a partner who looks at you with a disgust. Does that relationship still work with you? And I know that that sounds like really harsh, but like, let's say that something really big changes and I have a partner that does not have the emotional depth to love me in my new way, then does this relationship actually meet my needs? And I know that's a really tough pill for people to swallow, but I think it's an important one to talk about because we act as if the other person is just like who they are. Wait a second. Literally every human being is capable of change. Every single one. So if you have a partner who's like simply choosing to not change or like really like at least not even trying to explore and, and enter into this new phase of your life, then I would take that as information. We believe in like fierce, compassionate curiosity. Okay, so tell me really what the issue is. Now, when we are so embedded in shame, it's really hard to have those conversations because we're so embarrassed. Mm-hmm. I'm embarrassed to say, why don't you like me now that I'm larger? Mm-hmm. But I think they're important conversations to have. Yeah. And it it is very realistic to be able to say that it's true that people grow apart and that when one partner changes, mm-hmm. that if the other person can't grow with them, that it might be the case that the relationship is no longer working, 
right? And that if you have really worked on how you see yourself in your, in your new body and that your partner isn't able to do that, then it means that you can grow apart. And I know that that's just as Emily's saying, like a really hard pill to swallow, but as couples therapists, you know, it's never our job to keep the relationship together. It's to help the couple figure out what works best for them. And sometimes that means that they separate. And once again, that can be really hard, but sometimes it's, it's important and necessary. Our favorite uh, statistic to shock and awe is that 70% of divorces are initiated by women. That's an astounding amount. And you can pretty much guess why that is. I have begged my partners. And now this is also only accurate for um, cis heterosexual relationships, which is also where the orgasm gap is, right? Right. So also cis heterosexual women are having like 40% less orgasms than everyone else. And they're also initiating divorce. And so you can guess what that is, which is I have begged you to change. I have tried to grow with you. I have tried to take you on. And at some point, I can't do this shit anymore. Do you watch Vanderpump Rules? Yes. (laughs) Reality TV. (laughs) I didn't watch the season though. Oh, and we broke up. Yeah, I'm so sorry. Yeah, do we know I like, why? I actually really started to like them. I know. I thought they were doing really well. So you never know what's happening behind the camera, you know? Mm-hmm. Really throws or you Or on off. social media. Or on yeah. social media. Exactly. Yeah. It's a perfect example. You never know what's happening. Yep. But that's why I brought it up because apparently Katie initiated it. And apparently it was news to Tom. Mm-hmm. And she had was it? pulling over <laughs> it. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Exactly. I mean, it's, uh, we'll have, we'll have like, you know, heterosexual men come into our office, like shocked, shocked. Their wife and, you know, I, I just heard this is just statistic too, that um, the happiest women are uh, unmarried single women. The happiest men are married men. <laughs> really? <laughs> Interesting. I believe childless too. Well, that's definitely true. married men who are childless married men who are childless and unmarried childless single women really interesting Mm -hmm. (laughs) married with a child damn it so so this actually speaking of married childless single women Mm -hmm. something i've heard from some of my single clients is I'm insecure about my body. And, you know, first, because as we know, a lot of the dating apps, it's all physical, like based on how someone looks physically. And so between that and actually meeting someone in person, something that I always say is like, do you really want to be in a relationship with someone who's so hyper-focused on your body? Because your body is eventually going to change. But I'm curious, like how you respond to anyone who's single and looking for a partner and they're very hyper-focused on their own body as part of that process. One of those is put up a picture of your real body. We do not need to catfish. You will find someone who loves you. And maybe it's not going to be over apps. Maybe it's going to be like out in the world, doing things you enjoy, setups from other people, putting yourself out there, right? But one of the things that's already going to make you feel like your insides don't match your outsides is if you put up a picture of yourself from years ago or different part of yourself are hiding behind your friends, you know those pictures, right? Like, like think about what that means, the anxiety and pressure you put on yourself to then meet that person in person, to meet that person in person, IRL. But like, just put up a picture of your body and you might get 
And the reality is you're going, let's not gaslight, you're going to get less swipes. That's it. Let's not lie. The pool will be smaller. Yes, but better. Yes. And then Mm -hmm. you feel more like yourself going. Those people know what I look like. I don't feel like I have to hide. I don't feel like I have to dress in a way that like makes me look slimmer or any of these other things. You do not need to contort yourself to find someone to love you because guess what? Large, fat-bodied, body-changing people, they're lovable. You're lovable. It -hmm. just is. It's so true. And not only doing that obviously will help you in like finding the right person, but it's also healing for body image because you're feeling more true to yourself and aligning with your values, which heals body image in general too. Mm -hmm. Yes. And knowing that you're worthy, you know, in any size body, you are worthy of finding a partner who loves you for you. And if you're putting up photos of yourself 30 pounds thinner, because you think that version is the better version of yourself, like what kind of messaging is that telling yourself too? And I think, I think so often with those dating apps that, you know, we can be looking for some sort of validation for who we are, right? We're looking that for that outside validation. And if you're constantly looking for that outside validation, instead of looking inward and saying, how do I give that to myself? Right. And part of that is I'm going to put up a picture of my body looking exactly as I am and that it requires for me to give myself that validation as opposed to getting it externally. Because that's what you have control over. You have control over the validation that you give to yourself. You don't have control over the validation that you get from others. We try to have control over it by contorting our body or putting up a picture that fits with society standards. But the control that you do have is giving it to yourself, validating yourself, doing that internal work. And I would be aware if you're somebody who like knows, like, like, listen, like we know that we do this, right? Like, especially if you're someone like, I'm someone who has, I have like a very thin face, right? So like, if you look at me from a certain angle, my body looks a certain way compared to like a full body shot, right? So like, we all know that there's those pictures where like, oh, my body looks like a different body in this one. So I'm going to choose to put this one up. Mm-hmm. What if you were to choose the one that actually looks like your body? Mm-hmm. and be okay with that body. And I know that's scary. And listen, y- you could listen to this podcast and you could do it for three days and you could take it down if it's too much, right? But like slowly, how do you start to actually show your body? And for other people listening to this, do you do any type of other internalized, like your own internalized fat phobia? Do you not put up pictures of like pictures with your fat friends? Like, do you not try to be in public with them? Do you not go on group dates with them? Like, those are all things to keep in mind. And it's also going to tell you who your partner is. If your partner ever has something to say about someone else's body, you're going to hear that about your own body. Even if you're saying to yourself, well, I'm not that, I'm not as big as her. So I don't have to worry about that. No, no, no. If he's, if they're thinking about someone else, you're going to process that internally too. Brittany, you had like a reaction when I said that. (laughs) I, I, there was someone that I dated a while back and I liked him until he started like making very fat phobic comments. Mm -hmm. And I was so taken aback because first of all, to me, that just shows someone's like true character and who they are as a person. But then also it's like, okay, like, what are you going to think when my body eventually is going to change? So that was, that was our reaction. Yep. And it's so, because you're right, because even if you don't look like those other people, what if your body does change? What happens, right? If you have pregnancy, injury, chronic health that you can't move your body the same way, like there are so many different things that can lead into your body changing. Be aware of who you pick as a partner, like integrity and values matter. 
Yes. Yes. 100%. And getting back a little bit into relationship with food, a, a while back, you mentioned your needs, right? How do you communicate to your partner? Say, for example, you're working on your relationship with food or you're, really, you're working on your body image. How do you communicate to your partner? Like, this is what I need. I mean, I guess I'm saying it right now. This is what I need. From yes. you. <laughs> um, right. You did. I guess exactly. not if you don't even know what you need from them. A lot of times you know what you need after you have a reaction for something, right? So I'm going to give you an example. So I had a situation, my hunger changed a lot, especially when I was weaning from breastfeeding in a very different way. And I was having the thing where I would say to my partner, I'm hungry. And they always, for some reason, seem to be not hungry. And I finally was like, I am noticing that I'm having a reaction every time you say that because you always seem to jump right to, well, I'm not hungry, as opposed to like, oh, you're hungry. Like, let's stop for a minute so you could eat. Mm -hmm. And so I didn't realize I needed something different until I was having a reaction that was shame centered and that I wasn't using my voice. So a lot of times you aren't going to know the needs until they come up and there's nothing wrong with that. So one, check in. Am I having some type of reaction, internal or external, that's coming up? And when I have that reaction, instead of shutting down or reaching out or imploding versus exploding, how do I simply say, I noticed this thing is coming up for me? I think it's because of A, B, and C comment that you made. Could you try this next time? Mm. And, and it's possible that you won't get it right the first few times that that happens, right? First like times, <laughs> first, first millions of times that, that might happen. You might have a reaction and have to go back and say, wait a second, like, what was that about? And it might take a few arguments with your partner to really figure out what that looks like. Mm-hmm. Um, because sometimes it's hard to figure out why we are having those reactions. And an external reaction could be yelling, getting angry. Internal could just be shutting down, right? Why am I shutting down? Why, why am I feeling anxious about this? Um, to give yourself the opportunity to ask yourself those questions. And maybe you have to do that outside of your relationship when you're getting a little bit of separation in order to go back. And I often hear couples say, well, I can't go back. We already had this fight. Like I can't have this conversation again. Yes, you can. You can go back and say, listen, I noticed earlier when we had this argument or that I shut down during this conversation and this is what I was feeling. And so for next time, this is the kind of conversation that I would like to have. I'm going to express my needs next time this happens. And I would appreciate it if, if, if you responded in this way or that we tackled it a little bit differently. If someone's listening to this and they're like, okay, you've given amazing tangible tips as far as like what a next step would be if someone's in the position where they feel like their partner is not attracted to them, what, what's kind of like a, a, the next step that they can take? Well, we could title this episode, what to, send this to your partner when they, when you don't feel accepted. Send them this and episode. And we can possibly aggressively tell them. Or you could say, <laughs> hey, I listened to this podcast today. It brought up a lot of stuff for me. Would you be willing to take 35 minutes out of your day, whatever we end up being, right? And could you listen to this? Yes. Right? You can actually share. That's what we don't do enough is like show all the background, right? Like we show the reaction, but like, what about all the stuff before? And so often, especially with heterosexual cis women, we are not like saying the before stuff and we're not teaching people and bringing our partner into our journey. So I would say like exactly that. I've had some fears coming up around your attraction level. I then listened to this podcast. It sort of brought some things up for me. Do you think you could check this out? And if somebody said this podcast to you today, here is your warning. Here is what you need, that your partner needs something different from you. How are you going to step up and give it to them? Mm -hmm. And if you are resistant at first, 
I was so resistant when I started learning about like fat phobia and just all of my internalized, you know, beliefs. If you're resistant at first, keep trying to learn, like don't block yourself off from what could be. Guys, this is amazing. I could seriously talk to you for literally a really long time. (laughs) So Tell us where listeners can find you, listen to you guys, soak up all of your knowledge. Uh, you can uh, listen to us on Shrink Chicks. We have episodes come out every Monday on any place that you get your podcasts. Um, you can follow us on Instagram at Shrink Chicks. There's quotes and other hilarious things of me embarrassing Jen. Um, uh, we have, if you're interested in working um, with a clinician, um, a body positive, um, haze aligned clinician, you can, and you are in the states of Pennsylvania, New York, New Jersey, Delaware, Massachusetts, California, Florida. Um, you can reach on out to the therapygroup.com and we can hook you up with a really badass clinician to work on your journey. Um, and if you're interested, one of our clinicians, Katie, has a really awesome body course, a body image e-course that's a hundred bucks and it is like literally like worth gajillion times that like less way less than the cost of a session and like so many amazing modules so also if you're interested in the body image e-course that's on our website as well amazing, amazing. thank you guys thank you guys so much thank you for having us Thank you so much for listening to this episode of Food Therapy. If you enjoyed what you heard and want to support our podcast, please subscribe, hit download, and share it with your community. We value your feedback. If you feel inspired, please leave a review, let us know what you've learned and what you would like to hear next. All information about this episode will be linked in our show notes. New episodes of Food Therapy come out every Sunday, but you can stay connected with Food Therapy all week long by following us on Instagram at foodtherapypod. As a disclaimer, this podcast should not replace therapy or working with a registered dietitian. Thank you again, and we'll see you next week.